It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. TGIF, it's the weekend. What's going on, Reggie? It's the weekend, baby. You know, it was fun last night uh, checking out Minnesota Aurora for the first time, their first game, and it was electric at TCO Stadium. Had some, you know, Viking staff members there. I saw Eric Perkins there, the guy I took over hey. for at CARE 11. That was fun. Um, it was just a really cool atmosphere and, and really cool to have another sport to cover and to follow here in the Twin Cities. Yeah, we're going to talk a little TCO, breaking down some Viking sleepers and OTAs and the Twins' second ugly loss in a row yesterday. Plus, later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, if you enjoy Superior Sports Talk, you'll also enjoy our other daily show with former NFL receiver Ron Johnson. Ron offers the unique view of an athlete-turned-broadcaster and brings you high-profile guests like Braylon Edwards, Adam Thielen, and Robert Smith. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or your favorite podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. Okay, Reggie, uh, you mentioned TCO. We all know all the new faces for the Vikings by now. Brand new coaching staff, top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And that means brand new scheme and philosophical changes to the playbook. Reggie, Vikings have held a handful of OTAs out in the beautiful confines of TCO out in Egan. I know you've attended a few of those practices, and I want to get into maybe a sleeper or two that's caught your eye up close and really being able to see these guys move around, do some real work on the field. But first, real quick, any news, notes, observations you've gleaned from your time out at TCO this week could be an interesting press conference, a specific player, or even just the overall new vibe with a brand-new coaching staff now running the show. Well, they continue to talk about how the culture is different. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Eric Kendricks in particular, you know, he talked about how, you know, you just don't have success running a fear-based organization. And he felt like that's what the the team has been under Mike Zimmer. And it, it was really telling. Um, but what you see is a lot of guys who are loose, you know, running around, having fun. They're like little kids out there. That was kind of what I – uh, kind of experienced when I was out there checking them out. I was talking to Quasey and he was just super excited about, you know, what the team is building and and how the team is just kind of fitting together. It seems like they, they took some of the older pieces that they had already on the team, brought in some new guys that kind of have a similar spirit and energy that they're looking for. And everybody's just enjoying each other, enjoying the experience so far. And, you know, the defense – they were talking about how they feel better moving into next season with the new scheme, that they're going to be better, you know, trying to stop the run. And and the scheme is going to help put their best players in position to succeed on the field every Sunday. Um, and so that that's just really cool. And, and also, you know, K.J. Osborne, mm -hmm. a lot of chatter around him. 
you know, and, and possibly having a receiving core that, you know, you got three, you know, pseudo wide receiver ones. It's it's funny, you know, Osborne just kind of, you know, really blossomed last year. You know, he had to catch in overtime against Carolina to walk it off and send them home into the bye week with the win. And that was fun. Uh, but what, what's been crazy is, is all the chatter about, you know, what he could do this season. And with Kevin O'Connell having the, the type of up-tempo, spread it around, you know, fun offense that he's bringing here to Minnesota, could be possible that we see three receivers if Thielen stays healthy. Like, he was on a tear last year, 11 touchdowns. It was like all that guy does is score touchdowns. If he comes back and bounces back and is the guy that we've come to expect, you know, uh, wide receiver 1B, 1A, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call him, and then you got JJ, you could see a receiver core, which is awesome to think about, but you could see a receiver core with a thousand yards receiving between JJ, Thielen, and KJ. And that's pretty scary to see, but, but Osborne looks really good so far in camp. Has there been anyone else who's caught your eye out at practice, someone flying under the radar, not being discussed about a ton yet, that when you've watched them move around or just got to see for the first time here, up close and personal, in real life, stood out to you? Give us maybe Reggie's sleeper or two from OTAs, just a guy to watch out for that you think could make some noise during training camp later in the summer here in about five, six weeks. I'll give you a couple guys. How about that? Mm -hmm. um, we'll go B.C. Johnson, mm. who, you know, was probably a, a star in the making before going down with that injury. But he looks good so far out there, and he looks comfortable. He looks excited to be out there and ready to contribute. And how about Jalen Twyman? Just a mm. guy that is just yeah. happy to be here. You know what I mean? Like, He's just he he looks 15. He looks all of 15 years <laughs> old out there. But the dude is probably going to be a beast for for the the Vikings just at least for for depth purposes. But I think he looks comfortable being out there, you know, coming back from what he's dealt with. And I think there are there are high hopes for what he could bring to that defense. You know, they're not going to rely on him to you know, be that guy, you know, with guys like Dalvin Tomlinson and Horrible Harry out there. But imagine Jalen Twyman coming back from what he's been through to come back and learn from guys like Dalvin, learn from guys like Harrison Phillips. Like, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And I think, you know, him being out there is just a testament to him and his perseverance. And, and then also him being out there and ready to contribute it's something that I'm looking forward to out of him. For me, the intriguing factor going into training camp is that front seven. Because first of all, you got a whole new base defense. And then also, you just got a lot of young moving parts that we don't know about yet. I think mm -hmm. one of the under-radar guys for me, I mentioned him last week, so I won't go too in-depth on him, is James Lynch. I think he could mm. push Armin Watts for that third starting defensive lineman spot. But another guy in the front seven, we, we just don't know a lot about him yet. We just haven't seen him. But yet he was a third-round pick out of Pittsburgh last year was Patrick Jones. And Patrick Jones come out, out of Pittsburgh. His last two years had 17 and a half sacks, 24 tackles for loss. He was all ACC at Pitt. 
I think he's got a lot of potential. And again, just being able to get him some real playing time. Now, yeah. he's not going to be with the ones. Nope. But during training camp, is he with the twos? I mean, remember, Sedarius Smith coming off a back injury, 30-plus years old. Daniil Hunter's landed on the IR the last two years. Could this be the backup? Could this be the third guy in the rotation next to maybe a DJ Wanham that gets a lot of time and looks standing up as that 3-4 outside edge guy? I just saw what he did at Pittsburgh last year come out of the draft. I thought it was an intriguing pick with the high ceiling, and we just don't know what he can bring to the table because Mike Zimmer just didn't really play some of these younger, although be it early round picks, third and fourth round picks like Chaz Surratt as well. So mm-hmm. that's a guy that it just intrigues me going under the radar because with this 3-4 new look, this new base defense, there's so many variables and moving parts, so many X factors that we just don't know what it's all going to look like until it shakes out and Donatel starts to throw us a couple breadcrumbs and, and we can see a few wrinkles as far as different packages, sub-packages we know Brian mm-hmm. Osamoa, third round pick. He's going to be in the mix there, too, flying around on nickel, probably pass situations. And then BC Johnston, love that you brought him up as well. A guy that, again, we talked about it earlier in the week, supplanted as the wide receiver three before KJ Osborne really blew up. He goes mm-hmm. down on the IR. Him, Amir Smith, Marset, Jalen Naylor, all kind of fighting for that wide receiver four and five spot. Going to be really fun to see how all that shakes out here as OTAs continue. And then we get more into, uh, you know, the thick of training camp in the summer. Last one here talking Vikings OTAs. I know you're not a doctor, Reggie, and, and, uh-huh. and you don't have the Adam Schefter inside sources on this stuff quite yet. But I'm curious about any injury updates, specifically to Andrew Booth Jr., Irv Smith Jr., two big names that are expected to contribute to this team in a variety of ways. But first need to grind their way back from injuries. Have you heard any new updates at all? Anything to glean from maybe just watching them work out and move around and when we could expect them back in the mix and start competing for some serious playing time here in the near future? Well, I think they're both coming along. Andrew Booth Jr. is kind of working to the side right now. He's not kind of mixing it up okay. with the with the team just mm-hmm. yet. Um, But I know they have high hopes for him coming back at some point soon. Um, Eager to see when it is that he gives it a go. But, I mean, he's dressed. He's out there from the injury that he dealt with um, coming into um, camp. But uh, Irv Smith looks back. He looks like he's back. Uh, I saw him over there with Kirk Cousins. They were kind of working some routes. Um, The other day he was – kind of working extensively with his tight ends, you know, because, you know, he really didn't have Irv last year and his guy Tyler Conklin is gone. And so, you know, he's really having to reestablish a rapport with his tight end unit and really kind of figure out who's going to be his guys on that unit. And Irv Smith looks like he's ready to contribute and ready to be, you know, the guy moving forward, and he looks pretty good out there. No, I will say, though, going back to what you were saying about Patrick Jones mm-hmm. and on that defensive side, um, I was talking to Quasey, and we were just kind of chit-chatting, you know, about other stuff, and we were watching some of the pass rushers work, and out of nowhere, Quasey just says, this guy's so good, man. And he was talking about Mike Smith, the pass rush specialist coach Mm. for the Vikings. And so, you know, looking at Mike Smith's bio, 
because um, Kwesi was really complimentary of him. He came over with Mike Pettin to the Vikings from the Packers. And what was really cool about this whole thing is he coached Rashawn Gary, who we talked about yesterday. He coached mm-hmm. Preston Smith. They both had nine-plus sack seasons last year. And, you know, when you look at a, a unit and you see the development of guys like, you know, Armand Watts, DJ Wanham under Andre Patterson, with Andre Patterson having the type of, you know, cachet that he does about developing defensive linemen. Like, dude, the dude is known as being one of the best no at doubt. developing pass mm-hmm. rushers that we have. Like, you know, um, they had Everson Griffin come back last year, and before, mm-hmm. you know, he went out with the, the personal things right. that he had going on. He was one of, if not the best, Hmm. pass rusher that the team had last season Hmm. and that was all because of what Andre Patterson does to get those guys in position to excel on the field every game and now he's in New York he's with the Giants now and they brought on you know Chris Rumpf is the actual defensive line coach and then you add a guy like Mike Smith who's the pass rush like specialist and you talk about him helping develop guys like Patrick Jones and and Lynch and, you know, more development for Armin Watson, more development for DJ Wanham. And you're, you're just excited. I know Kwesi was excited about him just kind of getting his hands on some of these uh, pass rushers. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see, as you mentioned, Patrick Jones kind of bringing – him along and seeing what he does under Mike Smith's tutelage next season. Yeah, a lot of fans pretty salty about letting Andre Patterson go. Oh, absolutely, uh, and I understand. You know, yeah, I mean, again, one of the best in the biz. Stats don't lie. And I think bringing over a guy like Mike Smith, though, and seeing what he did with Rashawn Gary, a guy who was picked with the 12th overall pick for the Packers a few years ago, a little quiet his first year or two. People are starting to scratch their head. Go, ah, man, was is, is this a bust here? Top 12 pick, a lot of high expectations. But to see him explode last season mm-hmm. gives Vikings fans, or should anyways, a lot of high hopes for all this young, untapped raw talent up in this mm-hmm. front seven because when you just look at Rashawn Gary and his development from year one to year two to now year three and mm-hmm. what he's been able to do just getting better every season hopefully Mike Smith can do the same and hopefully fill those big shoes again left by Andre Patterson Vikes are going to get a few days off here they wrap up OTAs with four straight practices from May 31st to June 3rd rest mm-hmm. assured Reggie and I will be back here for all the spine-tingling action from practice. <laughs> we talk about practice? What are we talking talk about? Talk about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a, Not a, Not a game. game. I love. Not a game. Coming up, we're talking Twins baseball dropping their second game in a row. And later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. But first, do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Okay, well, 
let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins lose another one. They're second in a row. Show some serious kinks in the armor here. A lot to discuss here, Reggie. Let's start with the good. Another just solid as a rock starting pitching performance. This time from Devin Smeltzer, who's looked good. Back-to-back outings filling in for Joe Ryan on the COVID list. He goes mm-hmm. seven innings, doesn't allow a run, strikes out six. That's the good news. But, Reggie, there's this thing in baseball where you got to play nine innings, apparently. So, oh, yeah? And, and and that's when the wheels fell off last night. Tyler Duffy comes in in the eighth, allows a quick three runs. All of a sudden, after leading the whole game, you're down 3-2. But no worries. Twins rally back, get the bases juiced, no outs. And for the second time in a row and third time in the last week, managed to get no runs and squander a huge opportunity with the bases loaded and no outs. They had another chance in the ninth, runners on the corners, couldn't capitalize. Twins leave five base runners stranded in the last two innings alone, managed zero runs. Twins lose this one three to two, a game you probably look back on and say they easily should have won. They dropped two in a row, their first of four game series with the Royals. Reggie, you got to blame someone after a loss like this. Was it the coaching in the late innings? Was it just bad plate appearances with runners in scoring positions late, relief pitching? Your thoughts and takeaways from last night's just tough loss. Man, it's been a while since we've had to place blame. Tyler Duffy. Mm-hmm. Man, he's a roller coaster, man. He's a, he's an experience. Like, <laughs> Smelter, man, seven mm. innings. You know, it, it's crazy that Rocco even let him go that long. But he goes seven innings, 80 pitches, mm-hmm. only 80 pitches. How efficient is that? Two mm. hits. Only mm. two hits given up, 6K. He he leaves with a nice little 2 nothing cushion. And then Duffy comes on in the eighth and just is, is like, you know what? Here you go. Here's a run. Here's another. Oh, here's the go-ahead run. And oh. then they can't do anything to capitalize on it. And what I think is kind of interesting with what's going on with the Twins is the bats. Like, they'll, they'll do something early, you know, like – and really not anything that is just like overly done, you know, like they, they had chances to score more than just those two runs for Devin Smelter, but they only get those two. But you're like, you know what? You get two runs. He gives up none. He goes out of the game. Let's just hold him off and let's win this thing against a team that we should be beating. That's the mindset if you're the Twins. And then all of a sudden, you just give up those three runs, and it's a disaster, and you lose to this team that you just swept last weekend. Like you just swept them. Mm. They are sweepable. Mm. And now you got to put the broom back in the closet Mm. with the dustpan. (laughs) Make sure you get everything off the dustpan because, you know, sometimes it's a little little touch and go, you know. And and it's just unfortunate, man, that these are games that we talked about ad nauseum they have to win these games you know you don't necessarily expect a sweep all the time but now you're talking like look there that's a that's a two-game losing streak now you're talking about a possible slump a possible slump against two of the worst teams in baseball like no you gotta you gotta find a way to climb out of this thing and bounce back score some more runs the bats need to wake up a little bit and really help this pitching unit. Like, it's crazy coming into the season, and we keep saying it, but it's true. Coming into the season, the pitching unit was supposed to be 
probably the weakness for this team, and the bats were supposed to be what was going to carry this team to success. And here we have it in the last week or so. You got the pitching unit really kind of, I don't know if you want to call it overachieving, but they're kind of carrying the team a little bit. And now the bats can't necessarily keep up when it was like at one point, over the last week and a half, they were scoring eight runs a game. And so, look, this is the ebb and flow of a baseball season. So I don't want to be too overly critical, but these are games that they have to win, and they're just squandering them right now. I think it was the very first week of the season, the first week of our show, actually. I sat here and I said, look, Twins pitching is going to struggle, as we know. These bats should be on fire. They'll smash the overs in all these games. And you see it, you know, every third or fourth game for the Twins, it's 12 runs, 8 runs, 14 mm -hmm. last week against the A's. We said this yesterday, as long as they're winning, it's easy to play the wait-and-see game with Royce Lewis as he continues to rip it up in AAA. But as soon mm -hmm. as they start losing, watch out. Fans are going to be banging the table to get him in the lineup. It's clear because this team just needs some sort of spark. And, and the way Royce is playing, not to mention the long-term plans you have with him anyways, it's silly mm -hmm. to think he won't be called back up here sooner than later, in my opinion, and see if he can't give this team a little juice and spark that they desperately need right now. But you said it, uh, complete polar opposite of the identity that we thought this Twins team would be. Right now, it's the pitching staff carrying this team while the bats continue just to look just chilly, just ice cold. They're, they're, they're failing to put it all together. They're getting opportunities but not capitalizing. And I don't know if it's an order thing. We mentioned, hey, Rocco, this is the time during the soft part of the schedule to goof around with the lineup a little bit, <laughs> trial and error. But right now, Reggie, it's just not working. And, and if you squander this opportunity here with the soft part of the schedule, then you're really looking to be in some serious trouble when you start playing the Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, teams like that. And all of a sudden, the White Sox, the Guardians, they start to heat up as well as they're playing some tough teams right now. So we'll see how it all shakes out. ESPN, by the way, released an article a few days ago on some of the most disappointing teams thus far and even mentioned a few specific players, Atlanta Braves, Seattle Mariners, Cody Bellinger, et cetera, et cetera. The Twins weren't on the list in any way, shape, or form here, but it got me thinking, Reggie, what has been the most disappointing piece or player for the Twins thus far through these first eight weeks, in your opinion? Again, we just talked about the batch rice coal, but is it something more specific than that? Oh, I hate to pick on the guy, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the most disappointing guys for the Twins is Tyler Duffy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like especially because he's a guy that they have been relying on quite a bit. Yeah, he's and been around. He, yeah, and he hasn't, he hasn't had some of those bad performances as of late. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about some of the, the blown leads that have happened by the bullpen, he's kind of been the guy that is behind them. And it's tough because you don't want to pick on him. But, you know, there were fans in my mentions, you know, talking about how, you know, maybe he should get designated for assignment. And it's just like, well, mm -hmm. who else are you going to call on? Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters? Like, <laughs> you can't, you can't. I mean, you kind of have to go with it until you can get, get some Bill more Murray depth. warming up. Get get yeah. Dan Aykroyd warming up in the pen, will you? Yeah, man. Like you, you just you just kind of have to go with it. You know what I mean? Because 
I don't know. I don't know if you have any other recourse that they're just going to have to continue to keep working with them. But in these high leverage situations, bringing Tyler Duffy in, you're you you've got some clenched butt cheeks. You know, oh, you're, yeah. you're a little tight. You're trying to hold in the poop. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's it's an experience, man. You're 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 kind of scared, man. Heart's racing a little bit. Blood pressure's up. You're just like. Oh my goodness! Like you know, your forehead sweating a little bit because he's gonna he's gonna bring you through it. You know, you got that stomach drop like you're on that roller coaster when he comes in. Um, but you know, hopefully you can see him stabilize things moving forward. But right now, it's it's kind of touch and go with Tyler Duffy. Very beautifully articulated. It's tough when they're winning, not to sound like you're getting nitpicky, but I think even despite the wins, it was clear going into the season, uh, serious trouble with the starting rotation, and then in turn, their relievers with all these injuries. It's the injuries, and it's easy to call out injuries being disappointing because it's almost too simple and so obvious, but I feel like after losing Kenta Maeda early on, then Paddock was a huge blow, and now Joe Ryan for we'll see how long, not to mention some other starters have been dinged up here there as well it's just really mm-hmm. tough to overcome those in a rotation that was going to be hard pressed to find a solid one two three starting rotation consistently in the mm-hmm. heart of the season saying all that they've overperformed to the max they've been awesome but how long can they keep it up and take some pressure again off some of these relievers like duffy remains to be seen twins look to get their winning streak going again today in the second of four against the royals 7 10 first pitch set at target field bailey ober set to hit the mound remember as tough as that loss was yesterday casey had lost six in a row white Sox lost yesterday and the guardians lost three straight as well so while you hate to see a loss like that twins still in the driver's seat currently as it stands in that division here so the time has come my favorite segment is here i'm putting reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean covering all the latest hot topics in minnesota sports first one pff released every nfl team's three best players according to the analytics and names justin jefferson daniel hunter and dalvin cook for the vikings as the best of the bunch what does it mean when looking at the vikings core nucleus of young talent for the future and would you swap anyone out on this list i think it means that their core nucleus has been built up to be strong like kudos to the team kudos to the talent evaluators for getting these type of guys in here because they are some of the most exciting players in the league like not just on the team like the league when Daniil Hunter is healthy he is a wrecker like the dude is a dude when Dalvin Cook is healthy even when he's playing through injury like he's so dynamic one of the best running backs in the game and Justin Jefferson we can't say enough about him you know I I believe he's going to be a 2,000 yard receiver next season like you know, give him all the touchdowns, give him all the gritties. Like, he's just such a dynamic player in the league, one of the best wide receivers in the game. And Kevin O'Connell hit the jackpot going from Cooper Cup mm. to Justin Jefferson. He upgraded. Like that. He's still yeah. upgraded. Yeah, and, and, and it's amazing. What I will say is it's so funny. I was looking at this list, and it's like, also considered. This is like that part where they uh, on the infomercial where they start talking fast. Also right. considered quarterback Kirk Cousins, wide receiver Adam Thielen, edge rusher Zadarius Terms Smith, safety Harrison apply. Smith. Yeah, right tackle Brian O'Neill. And so it's so funny. Like 
anytime you put a, a a team's three best players on here and you don't include the quarterback, you know, it's 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 interesting because he's kind of like the engine behind the thing that that really is going to help it go like he's going to be getting the ball to Dalvin Cook every play he's going to be getting the ball to Justin Jefferson um it's just so interesting to see two of the three players on this top three list have had injuries and I was looking at some of the grades that they gave to him and he had Dalvin Cook had a, a career high 89 grade from PFF in 2020 and it went down to a career low 65.8 last season and they called it an injury marred campaign well even with the injury and and all that I don't know how it slid down that low because Dalvin Cook had a pretty good season considering he missed a couple games yeah he had some injuries but when he was playing he was very very productive so it's kind of weird that it dropped from 89 to a 65, I feel like that's a little steep considering, I mean, did they even watch the Pittsburgh Steelers game? You know, like any game that he played, he was contributing, he was doing his thing. And so that was that was interesting to see um, on this list. And then also Daniil Hunter, you know, talking about how, you know, since his career year in tw- 2019, only 384 defensive snaps over the past two years. And so... But it speaks to even with these guys having the injury concerns and the injury issues that they've had over the last few seasons, it speaks to just how dynamic of players that they are, that they are still included on the top three of the team. They could have picked, like I said, I mentioned all the other guys that they also considered. They could have picked any of those guys, but they picked those guys because they are truly special. And even with the injury history, they are still considered some of the best in the league. I think mm-hmm. just for argument's sake, a little healthy debate here. You mentioned a few other names. If I was building a team, just knowing the way the league works, pass happy league, and how interchangeable some of these running backs are, no disrespect to Cook, love to have him on your team, love to watch him, breathtaking, any given play, he can go to the house. But I think Brian O'Neill may be a sneaky, sneaky one to get in the mix there. All this guy has done since he's came he's to the good, league man. for four years, he's given up six sacks in four thousand snaps averages 25 pressures allowed per year not missed a game since becoming a starter four weeks into his career shout out to brett coleman on twitter for that great stat again the way the league works having so many elite pass rushers and edge rushers the talent Mm -hmm. is so lopsided on that side of the defensive ball that if you can find a cornerstone at tackle whether it be left or right tackle and being as young as brian o'neill still is just starting to hit his prime right now that's mm-hmm. another one that maybe I would change up for Cook, just knowing, again, how interchangeable some running backs are from time to time. All right, next one up. MLB.com released their way-too-early Rookie of the Year projections. Number three on that list was Twins pitcher Joe Ryan, who's been lights out this season with a 2.2 ERA and a .99 whip. With Ryan set to miss time now after landing on the COVID list, what does it mean for his chances to keep up with the others on the list like Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena, for the end of the year award it's a long season and he'll come back from this COVID list and you hope that when he comes back he doesn't miss a beat and everything that we've seen from this guy has just kind of shown that he's just kind of locked in rock solid and 
I, I think he's going to continue to grow in this, in his role. And, you know, look, these, these lists that they make, a lot of times they're just way too early to make a lot of these lists. And, and Pena has been great, you know, taking over for Carlos Correa in Houston. They really haven't missed a beat. And I think it's, it's sometimes tough to have a position player unless he's just like dominating, like, like just absolutely crushing it, which Pena is doing. But a lot of times, you know, things kind of tilt and shift towards pitchers. And so if, if Ryan continues to keep up at this pace when he comes back from the COVID list and he continues to win games and he continues to keep the ERA down and that whip is not nay-naying, you know, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see where he stacks up with this rookie uh, class and with with how he's continuing to grow and develop. He really is maturing and, and kind of feels seasoned beyond his years. And he's he's just a really like low key guy, locked in guy. He doesn't he's not a big rah rah dude. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like not really a huge like personality type of guy. He just he just wants to pitch. And he goes in there. He handles business mows these hitters down and you know it's interesting to see you know as the season goes along and he kind of faces some of these teams especially in the division more than once multiple times it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to how they're adjusting to him but I think he has the temperament and I think he has the the skill and the talent level to really kind of challenge pitchers or challenge hitters, I should say, game in and game out. You take out the one start against the Astros, and these numbers would be, I mean, gaudy. But outside of that, this guy's been rock solid. My only concern is that these 10, 15, 20 days kind of sputters that momentum that he had. It seemed like he was just getting better and better every time he got out, really getting to rhythm, getting his feet underneath him. But I love that the fact that you mentioned, you're right, when it comes to these awards, these guys that vote on this really take into account how valuable this pitcher position is versus some of these other positions. So mm-hmm. certainly should be in the mix if he comes back and continues right where he left off for Rookie of the Year when it's all said and done. Okay, Reggie, you survived the gauntlet. We're back on Monday breaking down more Twins, Vikings, NBA, and NHL playoffs, and plenty more. Remember to like, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE 11 every night. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in Monday to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until Monday, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love this weekend. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.